0: All right, what's up? This is episode two of Dungeon Talk, te- te- technically. Well, it's the third one, but it's going to be episode two. We had zero, and then one, Correct. and then this is two. Right. Yeah. Okay. So today we're going to jump right in to our first topic, which is um, my game is hopefully going to wrap up like around maybe a couple months from now, hopefully within two months, but we've been meeting every other week. Right. Right. And I want to finish the story with you guys that I'm working on. And then I want to step away from being a DM because I'm going to start school. And so we're going to talk about you taking over the game.
1: Right. And I just kind of want to talk to you a little bit about that. For one, we probably have two, maybe three sessions left. If we're still play every other week and you start school near the end of August, probably have two, at most three sessions that we're going to have a chance to play I would like to maybe try to throw in a Saturday game, if possible. That would give us, you know, like a full four or five hours of playing. But do you think you're going to be able to wrap your story up in that time frame?
0: So, what was happening right when we... The last game. You...
1: We went back to the town. Tried to do a prison break. Prison break, and I was captured. So, I got them out, but then I got caught.
0: But you're back in the town. Um, It depends on what you guys want to do. Uh, Like... I have a way... What's Right now, what are you thinking that your party is going to do at this point? Are you, are you thinking that you're going to stay in the town, defend the town? Are you going to talk to the people? Um, because right now, your party is faced with a choice. You can either stay in the town, where you came from, everybody that you know lives there. You know that there's a horde of monsters coming to attack it. So, choice A is... Stay there, tell everybody what's coming, and try and get people to uh, help defend it and see what happens from that. Or the second choice is to leave the town, don't tell anybody, uh, go to where you know the monsters are coming from, and try and kill them there. But I've tried to kind of make it clear to you that there's a lot. Right. Like, it's going to be tough. Maybe, and too tough. Like, I'm trying to make it... <laughs> Like, okay. Obvious, obvious. So you might what die. you're
1: saying is we should go with choice A.
0: Well, and then there's choice B or C, I guess, which is tell everybody in the town, tell them it's coming, try and get them ready, and then go out on your own anyways and try and do it there. And
1: well, that's what that's what I was aiming toward, and I don't know for sure that Rob and Nico or and I are all on the same page, but that was my goal going into the whole prison break was to free the two people that I thought would be better suited at organizing the town's defenses. Because the mayor, who's paranoid, but in this case correct, that there are bad things coming, is kind of causing more problems and he's helping the way that he's, you know, inciting panic rather than resolve in the people. So I wanted to free the two people that I thought would be good at rallying the troops and get everybody together to help try to defend the town. And then once we had that set up, then I wanted to set out to where this is coming from and try to, I, and my hope would be to avoid the horde of monsters and attack the leader, the, the demon guy that, you know, was kind of controlling everything. And maybe if we get him taken down, that will cause the monsters to disperse or, you know, I don't know if they're being controlled or led in some way. So that's what I want to do. I just don't know how we're going to do that. Now. I, I still think I should be able to escape from this dunk little, you know, I was able to get in and out pretty easily, I think unless they just go all crazy on me, I should be able to get myself out pretty. So
0: easy. as as a DM, I wanted you guys. Should I tell you what I have in mind for what you're doing, or because that could influence what you do?
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't think you should.
0: Okay. If I do, I'll tell you. I, like I do. I wanted you guys to care about the town, but I don't know. You know, I may not have. Given you enough interaction with the town and the people in it to get you guys vested in your relationships with the people there and get you to care about it and get you to want to stay in it. Because at this – I mean, you guys can do whatever you want. You can say, F this town. We don't like it anyways. Right. And you can just – and you can be like, F the monsters and <laughs> we'll just go.
1: Well, and I think it- – because I didn't know that that was part of it when we started, obviously. Now now seeing how it's come circle and we've actually come back to this town or village, we probably could have done more in the beginning to develop those relationships, maybe some role-playing or scenarios where because we... Because
0: I just gave you the plot and kind of was like, okay, now set out and go... Right.
1: And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, we wanted to get the game going on a, on a quick note. We wanted some excitement and it it did provide that. You know, right off the bat we had an encounter with the town bully and then right off right after that we had a missing person that we started tracking. So from like an adventure standpoint, there was a lot of stuff happening that I liked. But we really didn't have a chance to build those relationships either. Now, you, you had tried to do that before the game by asking everyone to create a couple NPCs that you then use, which I did think was a good idea because that allows us to be vested outside of the game. But probably not enough. Like, as a as a player, I kind of get what we're trying to do. And so I'm allowing my character to care more and, and be a part of that. But I don't know, realistically, if my character really would care True. In that situation.
0: Yeah. Um, so I'll bring this up, and you can tell me whether you think it's a good idea or not. Idea? You just said idea. Wow. Uh, Where am I from? You,
1: you've been hanging out with me way too long.
0: Uh, I forgot I need to put some clothes in the washing machine. Uh, so my idea was that there's maybe 20 NPCs in the town mm-hmm. that are living there. I took a sheet of paper for each one and I wrote out... I did Right here, I sat and I rolled um, 4d6 and got rid of the lowest one. And that's how I did stats for all of them. Completely random. But I took all the characters that you guys created and I just made stats. Um,
1: That was probably a colossal waste of time.
0: What I wanted to tell you guys was that if you decided to either stay at the town and defend it I wanted to – you could look at all these people and you could see what their scores were and you could see like, oh, this person would be good if they had a bow. Or this person might be good if they had a sword. So if you said, oh, this person looks like they would be good if they had a bow, I would give you the opportunity as the – or um, do you have a bow or do you have, just have a sling? I have a bow. Okay. I would give you the opportunity as the – you the thief or the rogue? Rogue, yeah. Rogue. To train them for a day. And then it would boost their stats a little bit. And I, and Rob, uh, he is the barbarian. Right. He could train them with a sword or a hammer or something like that. And Nico. So I wanted to give you guys... And it wouldn't be anything that would take a long time. It would be some dice rolling. And then what I wanted was to... Um, if there was like a big encounter or something, you guys could train those people... To fight with you, and you could control them as like your own little fire team.
1: I like a lot of that. I think it sounds very interesting, and it, it, it does kind of help. It's something outside of what I normally have done in D&D, so the idea of helping to actually craft the defenses of the town outside of just like a leadership role or a charisma role or something, which I think a lot of people have handled. So I do really like that. I don't like it as much that we would actually see their stats, because that turns it into kind of a meta game i I would prefer it just something where we're like okay we have these people okay who's the strongest and then you would say you know bob the blacksmith very muscular but also this person so you would still see those stats and you could tell us but i wouldn't want you to show them to me and me go okay this guy has the highest strength because that takes it out of out of my head just like we talked about in combat i'm no longer in the game seeing the big strong blacksmith going oh he's big and strong. I want him to swing a hammer rather than now I'm looking at a piece of paper and doing math in my head. So I love the idea, but the execution, I would like to be different. Since we haven't done that yet, if we still go that route, I would want you to do that just a little bit differently. Okay. The other thing I would tell you is for NPCs generally, I would not have done 46. And this is kind of a nitpicky thing. The reason that I do 46 and the, the matrix, which is on the, the website now is the, it allows the the PCs to be, on average, a little stronger, faster, smarter. They're a little bit above average. It kind of boosts their scores. So if everyone in the game, uh, commoners, NPCs, are using that same system, then everybody's back to the same. Every, everybody's above average at this point.
0: Except, well, they don't have – they would have the same maybe like strength or – stuff like that that you guys started out with, but then they're not going to have the bonuses that you've accumulated sure. from leveling. Right. And
1: again, that's, that's a Michael nitpicky thing. Like, I, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but in my games when I do NPCs, particularly if they're commoners or you know peasants or whatever, I just either give them average stats or I'll roll 3d6 because I, I, I want the PCs to be a little bit above... Like that might be why why they are adventurers or why they've survived is because they are a little bit above average they're, they're you know the cream of the crop, so if everybody uses that same system, then it basically flattens the curve out
0: again. in my mind, I was thinking about it like you guys might you might look at his stats and be like, "Oh, this guy would be really good if he fought with me and uh, because he would be good at long range shots so he'll stay back here with me and I'll tell him where to shoot. And I'd let you do that. I'd let you, you know, tell me like, I want him to shoot here. You would, you might get a little more vested in them that way. And then if something happened to him, you'd be like, Oh man, I really like that guy. He, he killed a bunch of monsters for me. He saved me from this thing, you know? Right. Um, and it wouldn't take me controlling a bunch of people and it wouldn't take you guys having to worry about controlling a bunch of people either. Cause I was also going to have to, you would have to convince them to fight with you too. So not everybody, you wouldn't be able to just go to everybody in the town and be like, all right, come on, you're, you're working with me. Right. You'd have to convince them also.
1: I said, I love the idea, just the execution a little bit different. So as a, as a DM, the way I think I would handle that, especially as if as players, we're just not getting it. Like we're, we're doing all, cause we've already talked about it. We do, players do things you don't anticipate right. So even though that is a great idea, and I do really like that, I don't know that our players organically would have gotten there. So at one point in time, assuming that I get out of the jail and we get the mayor calmed down and we kind of take over the town from a leadership standpoint, you know, you could have one of the farmers that we know, uh, an NPC, kind of walk up, you know, stick his his staff in the ground and be like, boys, I'll fight, but you got to show me how. And I was then that would thinking... be a role-play situation. Oh, okay, yeah, all right. You know, same thing from Army of Darkness. If you remember, that's what uh,
0: Ash did with all the peasants in I've the castle. I've never seen that movie all the way Oh,
1: my it. God. Okay, we got to stop right now and go watch that. <laughs> okay. But, but basically... There's <laughs> plenty of movies, I'm sure. <laughs> yes. You
0: haven't seen them. Yeah. Um, uh, what I was thinking was that Falkmore, who is the guy in the town who you guys kind of trust, um, he's also working on uh, translating spells in order to kill the big demon that could be coming. Um He would do something like that. He would go to you guys and say because i right i didn't you guys might not get there organically, so I was thinking Falkmore could come to you and say, I think we can get the people to fight you guys you can go out there and convince them to fight, you know, give a speech maybe go to their each one privately um, and talk to them or it would be probably take less time and be better." If I just, if you like give like a charismatic speech in town or something, and then I could just roll for different people and be like, well, this guy thinks you're full of S right. <laughs> and he's leaving and he's taking his daughter with him.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I don't think that would be as much fun. Like, I mean, I really like what you were trying to do. And I'm not saying right or wrong. I might have probably done it a little bit differently, or or think about doing it differently than than you would, are talking about doing it. But I like the idea because it is outside this the normal. We kill the bad guys, we're the heroes, you know. And I've done similar things in my games before, where I've tried to have the characters kind of help set the defenses. And I don't even remember now specifically how I did it, but it was a lot more of a couple roles, you know, a leadership role or a charisma role, and then yes, the towns behind you. I, I like what you're trying to do where it's more individual and it would create some investment. But just from a game terms, it's going to take a lot of time to do that well. A I lot of want, role playing. And
0: but, and that's the thing is that I, I don't want it to – I'm going to be – if that happens, I just want to be really conscious about how much – how we're doing the different segments, the different parts of it. So that it doesn't take too much time and it doesn't, um, take too much away from the game. So where, when it's over, you guys are like, man, that just would have been better if we just would have not wasted all that time doing that stuff and just decided to go fight, you know? Um, I think it it could, I think it could be good, um. If that happens, you know, it has a lot
1: of potential. And, and what I would say to you and anyone listening is to try it. I, I do. And I really, really like the idea of it. And even if it doesn't really work, you know, we, we go through it in the session and we play and it doesn't work the way we want it to, or it's kind of slow. Then we'll talk about it on another podcast and talk about maybe ways we could have done it differently. Cause I just think it's a great idea, but I'm, I'm a little concerned about the execution and, and how that's going to happen. Um, So at the end of the day, though, so let's assume that we are able to get your story wrapped up. So we're able to save the town. We go fight the big bad. Hopefully we win.
0: At that point, my whole story won't be wrapped up. But we could be at a stop. we We would be at a stopping point where we could either go to a new story with you DMing or I could explain to you the bigger picture. And you could run it if you wanted to which would you rather do well
1: I kind of wanted to ask you that first Would how would you feel about me taking over your story
0: um, I could tell you enough of it I could because there's I know what the bigger picture is like um, the the small world and the parts of the land that you're in where you get, your characters have traveled so far that that is one part of what's going on there's other things happening somewhere else that is the reason for why these monsters are coming and all this. And the reason for what's going on. Um, so I kind of, I have the end of the game kind of worked out. Like who's behind it all and what's so going a on. So big picture, the whole thing. Big, big picture. Okay. But if you guys uh, fought this horde of monsters, let's say, you and you defeat them. Um, there's going to be something where you're going to have a choice you can to continue on and um, if you do, I don't have everything worked out yet for what's going for everything that's going on in that other place where you could go so I could give you the idea and be like this is the big picture, but this other part I don't have worked out yet and and I could explain it to you and I mean if you wanted to run with it and fill in the gaps yourself and fill in the story, then yeah, that would be fine. Except that as a player, I don't, I don't know if it would take anything away from it because there you, maybe you could, I mean, you could even change it. And if you did change it, I wouldn't mind.
1: Right. And I, that's probably one of the things I was interested in is you knowing sort of the big picture, or how it like, would that kind of take away from the game in your mind as a player that like, Hey, well, I know what's going to happen next, or I have an idea of what we're building towards. Well, would you want to do that, or would you prefer we just say, okay, your game's not over, it's just on pause. And then I start a different game with, with you and Rob and Nico, and we play for two or three months. When you get to your your break, maybe you run yours again for a couple sessions and and basically alternate
0: between them as your schedule allows. I don't know. Like my sch- What I was thinking in my head was – do you ever remember? Do you remember watching "Whose Line Is It Anyway"? Oh, I ever watched. Used to love, okay. love. Special. There's a thing that they do on there where the three of them get up together and they have to sing a song.
1: The three-headed duet.
0: Yeah, and they but they can only add one line at a time. So at the end, they have this song that made no sense. That it's right. just ridiculous, but they did it. So what I was thinking was like, you know, I could. It, it would be cool if I did my part of the story. Now, you have to continue the story and try to keep it on track, but you can do completely your own thing. And then when you give it back to me, you know, we could give it back and forth like that. But the only thing is, is when I stop DMing and you take over, I'll be out of DMing for like a solid year. So you could completely wrap up the whole story in a year and it could be done. So I don't know.
1: Yeah, I really haven't decided yet because we just talked about this. It was last night or not before that you told me about going back to school, so I, I didn't know it was coming, so I haven't really thought a whole lot about it. But I was interested in starting my own game anyways, and I think that's kind of influencing my thought process right now. And I've told you before, like, I really enjoyed the D&D Next playtest that we did at our house, even though and I want to talk, we're going to talk about that maybe later today, if not on a future podcast. There were things about it that you didn't like. But the system itself, we're having fun with. We like some of the stuff that it's doing. And I just, I kind of like the idea of maybe starting a new game using the D&D Next rules and making it like an extended play test. And as new rules are rolled out, just incorporating them into the story and keep going. So I do like the idea of that. Plus I do, we have talked before, I don't think it was on a podcast about the new game I'm thinking about, the whole prison world. So I'm kind of excited about that still. I'm thinking about maybe doing that is I could do both. I could do the prison world game using the D and D next right. um, rule set. So I do like the idea of starting my own game, but for continuity sake, you know, Rob's, Rob's brand new. In my mind, he's kind of a fragile player and I don't know how he would feel with, okay, you're no longer that character. Now you gotta be somebody
0: else. I think the best solution is to talk to the whole group um, at our next game and say, and just say, and I'll let him know, like, you know, I'm going to start school, so once we wrap this up, Michael's going to take over. What do you guys want to do? Because, I mean, Rob could go either way. He might be really into his character and want to keep doing it, or he might want to put it on the shelf and be like, I do want to try something else and see what it's like. Right.
1: And I think I could do either one. Like, I, I I easily could pick up your story and I could have fun with it. I could do some things. We would have to create your character or you'd have to find some way to, to have an NPC that you could step into. Or if you wanted to just to take over my character and then I could run. So,
0: if you, regardless, if you take over, are we not, we wouldn't be starting at zero or level one?
1: Well, if we're, if we're keeping your characters, then we will just keep going. Mm-hmm. You know, so right so now we're... I'd have
0: to come in as a
1: third level character right now potentially fourth is
0: it a is it a no-no to uh bring in a first level character with some third or fourth level characters or fifth you might be guys maybe fifth level at that time
1: for me i don't like to do that i you know again going back to some of the old school days i've talked about that was what happened If, if you were a fifth level party and one of the guys died and you weren't able to resurrect them which i hate resurrection i almost never have it in the game unless it fits the story purpose then when you brought in a new character, you brought them in at first level. But for me, that just causes a lot more problems than just saying, okay, fine, you're just another character that, that comes into the game. In some cases, like in the past, I might have done it where they're one level below. It's sort of like a penalty for dying and kind of a reward for the characters that, that survived. But especially if you're fifth level and you bring in a first level character, two things are going to happen. A, they're going to die again really quickly because they're not ready for the type of challenges the other party's going to face. Is that
0: because you're uh, creating encounters that are with monsters that are too big? Right. I mean, they just deal I, too much damage. If I'm creating an monster.
1: encounter that that is anywhere near balanced for a fifth level party of adventurers, you know, three to four characters of a, all the various classes, and you bring in a first level character, they're just going to get slaughtered. Or they're gonna just have to hide and cower for two or three levels until they get catch up. But then from a role play standpoint
0: <laughs> They wait until the monster has been beaten down and then they jump in and go, Ha exactly. and then everybody's like, What? <laughs> you
1: did not so I just don't think it I don't think it, it does enough adding to the game to 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 make it worth it. So I pretty much let everybody just come in at the same level that their character was when they died. Plus I do story based experience anyways. I don't really do encounter base or monsters. It's for me, it's just more of a, you get to a certain point in the game. Now you're a higher level. I don't really even keep track of it unless I feel like I have to, because certain characters spend experience points like artificers and wizards and sorcerers when they create stuff in in 3.5. So every now and then I'll throw out and, and say, okay, you're now halfway between level X and level Y And that way they know where they're at really hasn't been an issue for me because a lot of our characters don't play that top of a a character where they have to spend experience points. But if I had somebody who was just, you know, spamming that because they know that I keep up with the story. So they, they, in some ways would have unlimited experience. I would have to do something different, but it's not come up yet. So I would just let them come in at, at, at the same level. So to answer your question, yes, if we're at fifth level and I was taking over, I would want you just to either a, a take over my character, which I wouldn't, you know, I don't know that you'd want to do that cause it's my character. Just, just you'd create a character of the same level and bring them in, which since we're thinking about going that way, I think it would be best if you could kind of create an NPC now, kind of sow the seeds, like one of the NPCs in the town that maybe we don't really interact with a whole lot.
0: Well, it could be maybe, uh, somebody that's there that, um, you already know is there. And, what so? What if he wasn't the same age? What if it was an older guy? Well,
1: and at, th- at that point it doesn't matter anymore. So, like, if he wanted to be Falkmore, you know, maybe we catch up to him because he's been our yeah. mentor. But he's probably not a twentieth level fighter. He would be hanging out in this town. Or
0: depending on what happens, depending on who lives and who survives, it could be the bully or the bully's friend or what right. if i what if i just played the crazy mayor the bat-ass <laughs> crazy mayor
1: we probably would leave you tied up somewhere in the desert
0: yeah i don't think i'd make it
1: no probably not but i think from a story wise that probably would be cooler if you could kind of like here here's one of the npcs maybe they fought in the battle you know they do pretty well they survive and so when this all kind of resolves itself they're like you know what I can't go back to being a farmer. You know, I've, I've, w- I've lived through this. These monsters have attacked. I, I killed things. I've saved people's lives. I can't just go back and work in a farm the rest of my life. I want to come with you. And we're like, That's okay. And yeah. that way it, it's more, again, organic to use that word again. So what
0: about your character? What's your char- character going to do? Well, he's decided to stay.
1: I mean, it could, it depends on how, it, how it all rolls out, but maybe he stays and takes over Falconmore's kind of mentorship for the rest of the town You know, I have played him. He's kind of charismatic. He probably would like to be a leader. So maybe he does step into the mayor role and and coordinate things. And he's kind of got the hots for Chrysalin. So maybe if she survives, we could start a family together. Like, I could easily incorporate that into a story that it makes sense for him to stay behind and do something. And then, you know, a year later, if you decide to pick up the game again, you know, it could be like beep 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 oh i need i need you know alex back and then i'm called back into service and i rush to the aid of my companions and you know kind of keep the story going i think that would be fine
0: all right well on f- our future podcast we'll check back in with how, how that that's happened going. yeah It'll be like,
1: everyone died <laughs> the end game over game over
0: um so the next thing i want to talk about is i want to hear this story about how your dm well the big topic that we're going to talk about is rotating dms that's the point of it but we're gonna get into it by talking about how your DM killed half the party and your, for people that are listening, we do me and Michael don't play in the same game every week. Right. Like me and Michael play in a game every other week and then Michael plays in a different game every other week. Right. And in that game that you play in, uh you guys have rotating DMs. Right. So the last most recent one last night. Whoever was last night? Last night. Whoever was DMing uh Killed half the party. Killed half the party. It, well, yeah, but are you saying that because you can say, we made a bad decision, we killed the party, or did the DM really kill the party?
1: I wasn't there. I, I did get a phone call. Well, I want to I take a step. Oh, you didn't play? No, I, I missed last night. Oh. So I want to take a step back and talk about the, the overall structure of rotating DMs and then kind of lead into what happened. So I'm a huge fan of the rotating DMing structure for a lot of different reasons. I started doing this when I was in Cleveland. A friend of mine up there, Rich, he's one of the people that's been on the website recently leaving comments, and he's submitted some content for us. I think it was his idea originally. I don't know if maybe it's something he had done in the past. I don't remember. But we were part of a, a pretty solid group. There were I think six of us at the time. We we played together pretty much once a week for five years. I mean, it was, it was a very structured, very, uh, you know, coordinated routine that we were in that we very rarely missed a game outside of vacations or other weird situations. It was Cleveland, so it snowed all the time. So I'm sure there were some snow days that we missed, but normally I DM, like I'm pretty much in most of the groups I've ever played in. I pretty much DM almost all the time, but every now and then I get that itch. I want to play. I want to see things from the other side of the table. And, it kind of got to the point where I didn't want to stop my game to start a different game. So what we came up with, again, this rotating DM thing, where we started the game off, and I was kind of like the overarching um, director. Think of it like as a, a serial TV show. And the ones that are coming to mind right now, which are kind of dated, are X-Files and Star Trek Next Generation. X-Files is one of my favorite TV shows of all time, first five seasons last two seasons kind of sucked but the first five were great
0: where they have different writers but it's all for the same
1: right and and you line. usually you have like in, in the x-files there was this overarching story about the government conspiracy and they knew about aliens and there were bees that would sting you and give you antitoxins, blah blah blah
0: yeah they did that on my favorite show really which was friends friends oh yeah
1: yeah good <laughs> stuff but then you would have certain episodes that just had nothing to do with this conspiracy. I mean, it would just be like a standalone episode where, you know, usually kind of a funny quirky scenario or dealt with a a kind of a bit part actor, like the the lone gunman again from the X-Files thing. But like every fourth or fifth episode, more of that overarching story would kind of fill in or, or maybe even a story that seemed like it was a side story at the end, they would find something that linked it together. So that's kind of how the rotating DM thing works. One DM kind of starts the adventure, gets things rolling. They get to a stopping point, and then the next person just steps in and starts DMing from that point on using the same characters. Everything continues. Their adventure can be be wholly separate. Again, it's almost like a side quest. You know, maybe the overarching story is it's like a political thing and the, the person behind the town is actually evil, and in the second adventure, you guys leave the town to go fight a bandit in the woods. No connection whatsoever. But then when I come back to be the DM, I can always find a way to make them connected, even if that second DM didn't mean to. You know, it could be very simple that, hey, you know, that bandit you guys killed last week, I was going through his stuff and I found this. You know, and whatever this MacGuffin is, the, the DM who ran that scenario didn't put it in there, but I did. So now it does link them together and it continues the story on. So in Cleveland, the way we did it, pretty much everybody DM'd on a pretty standard rotation. What, what we're doing now in the game, it's kind of uh, who wants to, who has an idea, you know, who's got time. So it's not necessarily where everyone has to DM, but it just gives me a chance to step across and be a player for a while, kind of recharge my batteries. A lot of times when I'm playing, I'm thinking about DMing. And in a, and what I mean in a good way, like I'm having fun, I'm enjoying what's going on, but I'm like, oh, that's really cool. This is what I'm going to do to do something similar in my game, or this is how I do it a little bit differently. So it's not that I'm not having fun as a player, but I'm still constantly thinking about what I would do differently or, or change and how I could incorporate it. So it recharges my battery. So when it's my turn to deem again, I've got all this idea, all these ideas and all this energy. So that's why I'm a huge fan of it. There are a couple things you have to be aware of. One is that you're letting other people play in your sandbox and that doesn't always go the way you want, which is what happened last night, for example, where half the party got killed and what could have very easily been avoidable in another situation. So from what I was told, I I got two sides of the story. I got the the DM who called me. It's like, Hey, I just killed everybody. (laughs) And then, and then I got a player who emailed me saying, okay, here's what really happened. Um, So basically, it was a pretty involved plot line. And I won't get into all the details because probably boring. But basically, there was a fight that the PCs should have lost. Like, they they basically were overmatched. And in typical D&D, melodramatic uh, fashion, there was a point where the bad guy had everybody contained and easily could have just like, ha-ha, and left. You know, got away with what he came for, and then the rest of the adventure would have been okay. We got to get back what this guy just took.
0: Is that what the adventure was going to be? Was he going to come and get something? Yeah, the
1: the the characters had acquired something. I don't remember exactly what it is. It doesn't matter. They had something that this the main bad guy wanted. So the main bad guy showed up, basically froze everybody in place, took back what he wanted. And was about to leave and one of the characters was able to break free from the spell that had him frozen and so he kind of started fighting the big the big bad guy well while this was going on the other characters were able to break free so it went from being a quick i got it and leave now it was an actual fight and the the bad guy was was much more powerful than the party i mean like ridiculously more powerful than party and the DM basically kind of scanning through the list, like, okay, well, this is the spell he's going to cast because this should get him out of here. He didn't fully understand what that spell does. So he cast it, everyone rolled their saves, and then we basically went to look up to what that did. Oh, it killed everyone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, wait a minute. What Do you know what the spell I think was? it was
1: Banshee Whale. It's like a ninth level spell. And the way it was told to me, basically like 38 random people. Die. Like it, it was like a, an A-bomb went off in this area, killed half the part, basically the people who weren't like my character because I wasn't there, that he was off doing something else, you know, on his own little side quest. That's the only reason why I survived because I wasn't in the blast radius, basically. So pretty much the entire party died. I think one person saved, everybody else died. So now we're in a situation where, well, what do we do? Do we just Start the entire game over and roll new characters, you know, either at first level, start at the same level. What edition are you guys playing? We're playing 3.5. So do we do that or do we just let the two characters that survived keep going and let the other guys roll new characters and add them in? So it kind of puts us in a situation where the game is a little bit up in the air, similar to like your game. We're not sure yet what we're going to do. And but you have to understand that that's going to happen. If you're going to do the rotating DM thing, that's just part of the game. Right. So another thing that happens is I create an NPC. Like my, maybe my main villain is this NPC, and, and he I have all these motivations for why this person does what he does. And then I stop my adventure, and the next guy's like, well, I want to use that same NPC. And then they use them in a way that doesn't really fit what you wanted them to do, like their motivations or their actions don't really make sense anymore. You just kind of have to bat- bite the bullet and go with it and say, okay, part of this structure that allows me to play and keep the game fresh means that some other sometimes my NPCs are going to be used. One of the other things that you got to keep in mind is what do you do with your character? Uh, there's two general ways to handle that. One is... Uh, like kind of like what happened last night, where my character just wasn't there. They were, you know, they're always off doing their own thing, side quest, whatever the case may be. They're visiting friends and family. What I've normally done in the past is that they're there, they're just not actively participating. You know, it is kind of a meta view of the game. So, how
0: does that? Are they with the party? They're
1: they're physically with the party. Like, like so could, if the party dies, they die. They die, and if the party lives, they live. But you don't. Use they don't really their get attacked, right, right? They don't get attacked. They don't do attacks. They, you know, they're just kind of they kind of fade into the background. The reason I like to do that is I don't like to have to come up with an in-game reason why that character jumps in and out all the time. Because there are certain situations where the game itself may not end in a place where it makes sense so, so for example i could be running a game where you're going into a wizard's tower you go with, you get to the top you fight the wizard he gets away there's a blinding flash of light and all the characters wake up and they don't know where they are okay so now you're going to be the dm you start the next game how does my character get there oh well,
0: you know i think that's easy you just come up you create your own uh spell to use in the game like a shrink spell, like in that... What's the movie with Martin Short?
1: Honey, I Shrunk the Kids?
0: No, that's... uh, That's the other guy with the glasses. Um, Interspace. Interspace, gotcha. Where you. he goes inside the guy's body. Yeah, you just... Whoever, you, you've D- seen
1: that movie, <laughs> but you haven't seen Army of Darkness all Interspace the way through. Interspace is
0: a classic. Much more <laughs> <laughs> no. um, you just No. Uh, you just cast the spell on whoever's going to be the DM. It shrinks them down, and they go in the backpack. Yeah.
1: Or they can just kind of fade into the background but that's weird
0: that's a lot more weird that somebody is kind of here but kind of not at least you could say okay he's here but he's this big so he can't really do anything i
1: still like them there because they can still be role-playing they can still interact and ask questions and sometimes they can be like the voice of the dm kind of like what's happening in your game where maybe you want them to ask a certain question and your character can say well why don't we talk to this guy we haven't talked to them yet and sort of prod them in that direction without actually can having, do that? yeah. Why do
0: we talk to this
1: <laughs> Exactly. <laughs>
0: you should ask the baker. <laughs> <other> me. <money. laughs>
1: <laughs> so you can do things like that by keeping them there. But you do have to understand that they fade to the background. So I, another thing that happened in, in our r- rotating DM structure, and Joe, if you're listening to this, I love you. You did a great job DMing. But this particular thing, I didn't think you did very well. So Joe took over. I think he was the second DM out of, out of this new game that we're doing, the rotating DM structure. And at some point we started to fight a creature that was way too tough. It just, you know, based on if it was, if it was ran to the standard in the book, it was much too tough for our group to, to tackle. And I had said something as a player kind of metagame. I'm like, we're all going to die. There's you no-
0: guys have done that in my game um, where I just did an encounter where like I had something planned out, and maybe not all of the bad guys showed up because I was looking at the damage and I was like, "Oh man, this you're gonna, this is gonna kill them right, right. away." Right. In this case,
1: it was a one. It was just one creature, yeah. and I was like, just knowing the rules as well as I do, I'm like, "Oh, this thing is going to kill every one of us. We're all going to die." And I don't know if it's because I said that or if he had already planned it, but but the DM at the time, Joe. Allowed his character, who was again kind of floating in the background, to step forward and basically single-handedly remove that threat. Which, one, it, it took all the fun out of it for, for me as a player. I mean, if I get myself over my head, it's okay for the DM to sometimes let the NPC save you. I mean, it, it's kind of a bruise to the ego, but it keeps... I don't want all the characters to die, necessarily. Yeah. It happens, but you try to avoid it. But, but this seemed like it was a planned encounter... That was way too tough. It was almost like, okay, we, we should never have had that creature in there.
0: Well, it was if his way the, of saying, oops, I screwed up. I'm, this is how I'm going to fix right. it. Right.
1: And, again, and, and I would rather him do that than kill everybody. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, as a player, I'm just like, you know, I would have rather ran away because then I would have made that choice and lived rather than having his character step forward and go, and then the bad guy run away from us.
0: So what's an example of um, an acceptable way that half your party has died or you've killed half a party and it's, and it's just been acceptable where everybody's walked away and been like, okay, yep, that went exactly how it should (laughs) have gone.
1: Well, for me as a player and as a DM, I view it as if the players make a choice That they had all the reasonable information, and they make a choice that gets them in a situation that's over their head, and it happens. You know, uh, one of the things about D&D Next, that I've been reading about the internet, that kind of thing, is you want to try to create an actual world where all the encounters aren't actually balanced properly, which seems counterintuitive in a game game theory, but talking about 4th edition... You know, there there was like a mathematical formula that as a DM, you could pretty much guarantee that this encounter is going to be either a little bit below the party's power, right at the party's power, or slightly above. So if you did a good job designing encounters outside of just some bad roles, just some bad math luck, they should be able to win if they properly use their tactics in old school D and D and kind of what they're looking at D and D next. It's not necessarily like that. You try to create an actual living, breathing environment, Where the party can say, we're going to go fight the dragon today. And the DM, you can be like, the dragon will kill you. It's a dragon. And they're like, okay. And they go into the dragon's lair. They're going to die. Period. End of story. They have no chance of defeating the dragon. But they can choose to do that. So if they do that, that's their fault. doesn't matter what they roll. The math is just against them. They're, they're going to die. But that
0: choice is always there. So doesn't it really come down... So the difference in the additions seems like it comes down to the DM.
1: In, in a lot of ways, it does.
0: Because like, you can create... I mean, the, I guess... Well,
1: I like, Again, I I play the old school Nintendo games. I know I've talked to you about that. Like Dragon Warrior, for example, is one of the games I play on Nintendo. And I don't know if if it's necessarily common knowledge, but in Dragon Warrior, on the original Dragon Warrior game for Nintendo, anytime you cross a bridge, you're entering a new area and monsters get tougher. Now, there's nothing to keep me as a level one Dragon Warrior guy to just keep walking, crossing bridges as long as I want. But at some point, I'm going to get to the point that as soon as I fight any monster, I'm going to die. Like there's there's just no way the the game will allow me to live because I've gotten so far too fast. That's kind of what the D and D next philosophy is. And it's still a DM and DM can do whatever they want in any edition. But in fourth edition, it was it was kind of balanced. Like you should always craft an encounter that challenges the party, but but they have a chance to win. It's very rare that you would throw an encounter that's just like, okay, you have to run away or you're going to die. But, but it's very like, but it's structured, and I think from like a metagame standpoint, the players know that. the player, Every time, as a player in a 4th edition game, I thought, if we properly execute tactics, if we use our powers effectively, if we just don't roll crappy, then there's never been an encounter in a 4th edition game that we could not have won if we do everything right and, and we just roll well. But in old-school D&D games and in D&D Next, you could get yourself in a situation that's just not winnable. And kind of rolling back to that topic is if, as a player, I make that type of choice. I'm like, okay, I really shouldn't be fighting this guy, but for a story reason or a character reason, I decide to, and I die. I, I, you know, I, I roll well, but I just can't win. Then I have no one to blame but myself. I'm not going to say the DM should have let me win the encounter.
0: Well, I guess I don't understand what you're saying is so different between that and, say, 3.5. I understand that the, the concept and the information that's available for creating encounters that's different because you have the challenge ratings and you put it together with all the stuff but um, at any like let's say we're playing 3.5 and at any time you guys could just say all right we know something big and bad is in that mountain and we know that that's probably what's behind it so we're just gonna screw everything else we're gonna go there right now and we're gonna try and kill it you still have you still have that option and you still pretty much know that if that happens, probably whatever there is bigger and stronger than you is going to kill you. So how is the difference, how is there a difference in that? Like, kind of what I I was getting from what you were saying is maybe the challenge ratings make the game too linear, where you as the DM have fallen into this thing where uh, you're supposed to make each encounter exactly according to their level where it's at whereas before you just said this monster's here this monster's here i don't know i i'm confused i may not I'm, be I'm explaining kind of it well
1: and i, I recently uh, was reading the the on the D website there mike Merles is like the lead designer for D next and I'm, again i'm not necessarily saying one edition is better or worse than the other that's not the point of the conversation is to talk about some philosophy differences and he was talking about it, a common saying in d and is fluff versus crunch fluff is like the backstory, the character development world building like why this NPC does this and crunch is like the math this is you know this power does this much damage this creature does this much damage and has this much health and it talked about example of where okay so the, the evil duke is trying to stop the characters from getting to where he's at and he sends 20 orcs to go fight the party. So why did he send 20 orcs? Was it because 20 orcs was the right balance for the characters to fight to make it a challenging encounter? Or is it because there were only 20 orcs in town, he sent all of them, and the characters have no shot of beating 20 orcs, and they're going to have to sneak around them or negotiate through them, because if they fight them, they're going to die. That's kind of the philosophical difference. And there's a whole bunch of stuff we can talk about in 4th edition, love it, hate it, 3.5, love it, hate it, D&D Next, that kind of thing. And I'm not really wanting to get into all that now. But the point of that is 4th edition, the philosophy behind it was to keep it balanced, make sure that all the character classes have a way to contribute, and make sure that there's kind of a balanced approach with encounters. In D&D Next, it's it's not necessarily the philosophical of the of the, the game that you want to create a world that's a living, breathing world and then the characters just go play in it so they could very easily get themselves in trouble. So kind of a long way to go back to that, again, to say it, is if as a player I make a, a choice that puts me in a situation that's not winnable and then I die, then I own that. It's, it's my fault. I'm okay with it. But if the DM puts an encounter in front of me that they don't understand or that just doesn't make sense, and I don't have any, like, it's just sort of like a, you know, you open a door, everyone dies. Okay, how, how does that work? Like, what exactly caused that? How, how could I have known that opening this door, we're all going to die? So, for example, I, I don't think I've told you the story before. In one of my games back in college, I had a group of players, and they were assaulting this giant, uh, actually, a giant's lair, I should say. So giants lived there. So everything was really big. And I had designed one encounter, one situation where the giants basically were using, it's called a sphere of annihilation. It's a and d basically it's like a spell. It's a giant black orb that anything that touches it instantly vaporizes. They were using it like a garbage disposal. So they had it set so when their waste and their junk, whatever, would go through these chutes and these tubes and it would land on it and it would disappear to keep the place clean. I thought it was a cool way to show how powerful these guys were because they had one of these that they were to, basically using. as a,
0: Somebody said, I'm going to
1: touch, go it. touch it. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. That's exactly what happened. And right. I was very clear about, okay, so stuff is falling, touching it, and it just disappears. It evaporates into nothing.
0: But do you think that, okay, so and, that person probably knew, they probably thought in their head, if I touch this, I'll probably die. Probably. Okay. So at that point, they had, they probably had a different motivation behind touching it. Maybe. Like, I, to this day, I still I don't can. care about this character anymore. Maybe.
1: Maybe the game just wasn't just, fun and they wouldn't tell me that. But but the way it happened, I can still remember in my head, like, why are you doing this? Because I tried so hard. and Because at one point, he said, I'm going to touch it with my sword. I'm like, okay. As soon as you touch it with your sword, your sword evaporates and actually kind of hurts your hand a little bit okay, now I want to touch it. So apparently he was committing suicide. It just
0: that, but that's better than the other thing where it just goes on for days and he's like, I'm going to touch it with this rock. <laughs> I'm going to touch it with this hat. Yes.
1: So, again, maybe it was just their way of telling me that I wasn't doing a very good job of DMing that day. But, but yeah, at that point I, I just basically said, okay, you touch it, you die. And that was it. His okay, so what was, was
0: his reaction?
1: He, was from he what, surprised? From what I remember, he seemed kind of surprised. And I don't know if maybe he thought that I would just let him, like I as the DM, I just wouldn't let him die. I would allow something to happen. But in that case, that was his choice. He did it. I don't have any sympathy. Yeah, right. So he died. So right. that's the type of thing I'm talking about where if the player just makes a choice, and you can do it for heroic reasons. You know, maybe, maybe in my mind the dragon is going to kind of bomb the town, cause everybody to run in panic, and that's just going to start the game. But the players don't know that. They see this dragon coming towards the town. Maybe somebody's going to stand and say, you know what, I'm going to try to hold off the dragon so that you guys can get away. And as the DM, I'm thinking, you don't have to do that. I'm going to let everybody get away. This is just a story element. But I'm not going to say that. So the character steps out and fights the dragon one-on-one. Well, he's going to die. He's He's going to get eaten and burned alive. But it's a cool moment, so I'm going to allow them to do that. But they're still going to die when they do it. If that makes kind of, sense.
0: Yeah, they're, but you'll let them go down in a blaze of glory.
1: Exactly. It'll be very heroic death, yeah. but they're still going to die. Like, I'm not going to go, oh, and then have the dragon not The kill dragon
0: them. eats you and laughs and then picks his mm-hmm. teeth with your bones.
1: Because yes. I just think that's, that's a more kind of organic experience. I've used that word three times now. But uh, as someone who wants to be a writer, and I know we've talked about that. Like I, I want to write. I'm working on stories. I've written a novel that no one else will read. I, it's it's very important to me that the story world makes sense and that it all, all the pieces fit together. So I'm okay with story elements sometimes taking over game elements, which isn't always a positive. Sometimes I write good stories, but good stories don't always make good adventures. Because in stories, you have a main character, and all the other characters kind of fit in their role, and they, they pop in when they need to and say what they need to say and go away. And, in D&D you've got three or four main characters and they all need equal story time and they all need equal opportunity to be involved. So sometimes they don't translate together very well. All right, guys, I think that's pretty much going to wrap up today's episode. Hopefully you guys found something in there that you could use or or were entertained. Uh, As always, leave some comments, let us know what you want us to cover, and we'll see you soon.
0: If it was completely boring, you can comment that too. But uh, yeah, just let us know if there's anything out of there that you want to hear more of or that you liked or that we should talk about more. Yep. Thanks, guys. All right, see ya.